0: hello 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 everybody this is the 13th episode of the red sox unfiltered podcast i am your host patrick greek and i am super 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 excited to be talking with you guys today um we are we are recording right before game three the rubber match of the boston red sox new york Yankees series uh with me as always i have dave Latham on to the end dave say hello to everybody
1: How's it going, everyone? Happy
0: uh, Yankee series to all. Yeah, it's a it's a fun time to be a Red Sox Yankee fan. And then also joining me is uh, Jordan DeCoe. Jordan, say hello to everybody.
2: Hey, guys. How's it going?
0: Yeah, so we have experienced some really up-and-down baseball this series, which we're going to obviously cover here in a sec, but man this this series guys, so we 're going to start with friday and we 're going to go from there we 're going to do it chronologically and again we 're recording before sunday night 's game, so the results of that are not known as of this um, broadcast but yeah, we're gonna start with Friday game, which actually I was attending. Um, it was Red Sox Yankees had pretty good seats, so it was a very good view. Almost caught an Odell Beckham Jr. He was taking batting practice on Friday. Almost caught a home run ball from him. I was like two two rows away, but you know, next time Odell takes practice, I'll be there. I'll be ready. But um, yeah, so the game did not go very well. Uh, the Yankees beat up on the Red Sox with an 8-1 victory. They hit three home runs in the contest. Miguel Andahar, Greg Bird, and Aaron Judge all went deep. Red Sox really struggled. They failed to get anything going against CC Sabathia. Um, he allowed just one earned run in seven innings to Boston. Eduardo Rodriguez was shelled, surrendering five earned runs in six innings, including two home runs. And his strikeout-to-walk ratio, guys, in that game, two strikeouts, two walks. That is not what you want. That is not what you want to see from Eduardo Rodriguez, who before these last two starts has been absolutely spectacular. There were we had a poll, I think, a couple episodes ago, and Erod was ranked like the second besides like David Price and Chris Sale, the third most reliable pitcher on the Red Sox or who the Red Sox fans trusted the most at the time. So I want to start out with this question, seeing as how now Eduardo Rodriguez has put Back-to-back, really poor starts against the Mariners and the Yankees. Um, I'll start with you, Dave. Are you concerned with Eduardo Rodriguez right now?
2: I'm not that
1: concerned, really, no, because we've seen this from Erod before. He's gone on great streaks and then suffered a little bit of inconsistency. And I'm going to be completely honest. I blame uh, Friday's Yankees game. I blame that solely on you for showing up, Pat. None of that happens if you're not there.
0: That's 100% true. Really,
1: you should be pointing the blame at yourself and not Erod here. But um, (laughs) in all all seriousness, though, um, I do think um, Eddie's always been a little bit streaky, but he's always been more good than bad whenever he's been healthy. So I'm sure uh, I'm feeling pretty comfortable that good Erod is just around the corner and that this one isn't going to be the one that stays going forward. Um, I looked at uh, t- Christopher Smith, I think, was the one who tw- tweeted it out. Um, Eddie's fastball yesterday, it just wasn't working. Um, a lot of his pitches were sitting in the like low 90s to high 80s range, which is where his changeup normally sits. So he didn't really have any, any uh, separation in his pitch velocity, so... That's the biggest reason for the Yankee struggle. I don't know what happened against the Mariners. I don't know what was up with that. But that seems like something that's more like it fixes itself over time than yeah. any consistent thing we need to get worried about.
0: Yeah, well, I, I would like to apologize for showing up to the game because, as Dave said, like I'm trying to put the blame on other people, but it was my fault for showing up. I'm the reason they lost. I apologize to everybody, but um, yeah. So Edward, like as you just said about and what Christopher Smith wrote about or tweeted about. Um, so I was looking up. I was doing some digging into Eduardo Rodriguez's past two starts. So he is mixing his pitch selection actually quite uh, drastically. Um, he's going to the four seam fastball and cutter a lot more which i mean he's got pretty good hard stuff but his changeup is what he's most renowned for it's his best pitch it's a strikeout pitch and he's going to that less like considerably less and as i said the changeup is his best pitch and it's not really surprising since he's using it less that his strikeout to walk uh ratio over these last two starts are 4 to 4 four strikeouts four walks that's not good again it's two starts very small sample size chris sale had a crap two starts a couple of maybe a month ago and now look he's otherworldly again so i'm not freaking out but like the peripheral underlying statistics kind of weird um moreover his swing strike rate was the lowest it has been all seasons at 4.2 percent in that game his previous low was 5.8 percent on the season swinging strike percentage and that was in, against seattle so the past two starts have been his lowest swing strike percentage games of the season and he usually hovers around ten percent, so it's kind of weird, but I, I blame that all on the lack of change ups and the fact that I was in the stadium. Jordan Jordan, what do you think about Eduardo Rodriguez? Are you concerned at all?
2: I mean, uh, not really. Uh I, like like I said, well not like I said, um but he like he's he's put up a pretty consistent year thus far through the season. And um I think I mean I think it's kind of uh Magnified when when Eddie starts because he doesn't go that deep in the games and so when he gets shelled like he did, uh, what was it Friday? Uh, I think it gets a little bit magnified. I, w- I was watching I was watching the game and then I I think I caught something on the Fox broadcast where he was saying that the location on his outside pitches didn't. He wasn't finishing them because they were still staying inside the zone. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it was just an off night. But uh, overall, I, I think we should be uh, you know, quite pleased with what, what, what he's done
0: so far. Oh, yeah, definitely. He's definitely had a very good season to date. Um, his ERA is north of four now, though. I'm not very concerned. It's just kind of like if he can use more change-ups, I feel like that's an easy fix, easy solution. But I feel like it's interesting that he's mixing up his pitching this like this two-game stretch when he's seen so much success uh, doing things almost in reverse so that's kind of interesting to monitor in the next couple of starts but there was some there was a silver lining to this game and I don't know if you guys saw it but Steve Pierce who was acquired on Thursday night uh, he made his Red Sox debut and he hit a double and a single he was like the only person who was actually doing something offensively for the Red Sox. I think Betts and Benadendi, it doubles too. So, I mean, they did well, but, I mean, that's expected. But Steve Pierce, two hits, great way to make his debut and um he was acquired for prospect Santiago Espinal don't know if I said that right don't really care um, he's a 23 year old 10th round pick who is hitting pretty well in high a but it's high a he doesn't really have high expectations at this point um, but it's certainly he's certainly an interesting fringe prospect to watch but yeah so Steve Pierce the big reason they acquired him was because of his big massive splits and how well he's done against left-handed pitching, which Red Sox have struggled with all season long. It's plagued them. So he a, this season, he's got a 327 batting average and a 933 OPS versus Southpaws against right handers, 258 average, 807 OPS for his career, a 266 average against lefties and an 844 OPS against lefties. Lastly, against righties, 249 average, 737 OPS. I think it's quite obvious why the Red Sox got him. He's got good positional versatility. He can play outfield. He can play first base. Um, So, yeah, Dave, what do you think of this move, and do you think the Red Sox found their right-handed bench bat in Steve Pierce?
1: Yeah, so I absolutely love the move. I think it's um, a great trade. you got a guy who can help a World Series contending team, and you gave up a guy whose ceiling is basically Brock Holt. So, really, you've... It's a fantastic trade in my eyes. He gave up nothing to get a key contributor for a position we desperately needed because we've struggled against lefty pitching a lot. It's been a bit better recently, but having Pierce on the, on the bench as a first baseman and outfielder whenever you need a guy to face a lefty is absolutely great. So, um, I actually looked up his stats because the obvious comparison here is this is what Hanley Ramirez should have been if that $22 million option weren't a thing. And, um, it's amazing since 2015 when Hanley joined the Red Sox, how similar their numbers are. So I have Pierce right here. So since 2015, he has a 255 average, 328 OBP, 455 slugging, and a 1- 111 WRC. Hanley Ramirez over that same time frame, 260 average, 3- uh, 326 OBP, 450 slug, and 104 WRC. That's essentially the exact same numbers. And granted, Pierce hasn't had quite as many at bats, but he still is over 1,000. Hanley had like 1,700, 1,800. So it's enough of a sample size where you know what you're getting with this guy. If he needed to, he could be an everyday guy. And against lefties, he's really, really, uh, really, really good. I don't know why Toronto didn't play him more than they did, but this is a perfect addition. I think he's a great add on to the bench. Um, I
0: absolutely love the move. Yeah, I'm. I'm a really big fan of it too. He was dealing with some oblique injuries earlier in the season, and he didn't get to play as much. But for the like, he seems healthy now. He seems good to go. Um, uh, Jordan, what do you think of the move?
2: Yeah. Uh, well, I, I saw it, and I saw the move. I think earlier that er, earlier that day, uh, Friday, and you no, know, I, I thought it was. I thought it was a pretty sneaky move by the uh, by, by the Red Sox. Um, and, then, and then he comes in and goes two for two uh, off of C.C. Sabathia. So I think, like Dave said, I think it's a really nice pickup. Um, uh, gives us more left-handed, well, well he, he bats well off of left-handed pitchers, um, and then he brings some more, some more first base infield depth. So, yeah, like I thought it was a very sneaky move, but it's kind of what we needed, uh, yeah. and he kind of proved it uh, that game. So, right, good, good for the Red Sox.
0: Definitely. And they didn't have to break the bank for it. Um, The Red Sox don't have a great farm system, and they didn't have to give up much. Again, Espinal is not a wonderful prospect. He's an okay prospect, but he's nothing they're probably ever going to miss. So I really like this move for a team that's trying to win now, and obviously that's what the Red Sox are doing. Uh, Steve Pierce is actually the second player in Major League history. Um, to play for now for every single American League East team, so uh congrats to Steve Pierce he's made it through the blue Jays the Rays, the Orioles Yankees, and now he joins the Red Sox. Can any of you guys name this is some trivia question for you i'm going to put you on the spot. Can anybody name the other player to do that he's he's pretty recent anybody have an idea uh, oh,
1: oh boy um I was not prepared for this trivia
0: question yeah I
1: <laughs> pretty recent give me give me a year frame at
0: least give me that oh man Uh, i think it was like he played between maybe 2006 and 2016 he might be in some minor league places somewhere in the depths of a minor league system do you you want me to just tell you who it is or do you want to try to guess this um
1: i'm gonna i know what's wrong but i'm gonna take a stab in the dark here and say pokey tell me who it really is
0: it's uh kelly johnson you guys remember kelly johnson Anybody? Yeah, yeah,
2: I remember him.
0: Yeah, which is weird because I don't remember him ever playing in a Red Sox uniform, and but I guess he did at one point. He played for the Yankees, Orioles, Rays, and Blue Jays. I hope this, stat, this uh, trivia question is actually correct. I'm 99% sure I saw it somewhere. So, yeah, that's a fun trivia question for you guys. Hopefully it's an actually true trivia question, but we'll move on for now. Um, so, Dave, still, actually, now we're not going to move on. We're going to stay here. Uh, Dave, um, do you think that he's going to, have a platoon, a more of a platoon role with Mitch Moreland at first base, or do you think he's going to play more outfield? What are your thoughts?
1: So, um, I think it was pretty telling what Cora did his first game here. Moreland sat on the bench to face CC and um, what's you call it? Um, I'm blanking, but the the guy um, I can't believe I'm forgetting his name. We're talking about him, Steve Yeah, he, uh, he uh, started the game at first over Moreland. And I think, for the short term at least, that's what we're going to do. Moreland's been better against lefties, but he was in a real rut against them for like a month straight, and his uh, career sports tell us that um, he's more likely to struggle against lefties than he is to be great against them. So, when the outfield's hitting well, like Jackie is right now, Jackie and Benny and Mookie, well, Mookie and Benny always hit well, but when Jackie's hitting well, I think it's going to be a straight-up platoon between Moreland and Pierce, but... When, If and or when Jackie goes back into that slump, I think Pierce could start being used more as an outfielder. Just because defensively, um, it's much more important to have a good outfield than it, than it is to have a good first baseman. And Pierce defensively can't hold a candle to uh, any, any of no. Mookie, Jackie, or Benny. So I, I feel like Moreland's the guy that's got to sit as long as
2: Jackie's hitting.
0: Yeah, what, what do you think, Jordan? Do you think it's going to be Mitch Moreland, Steve Pierce, platoon situation, or what do you expect his role to be with the team?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I'm with Dave on this one. I, I can see uh, Mitch Moreland, uh, Steve Pierce, platoon, um, and then, of course, like whenever Jackie is struggling, like put Pierce in the outfield. So I'm with Dave on that one.
0: Yeah, definitely. I agree. That's where I envision him being... Um I think he's going to be have a healthy blend of some outfield, but he's not a great defender, and he's going to get his fair share against left-handed pitching at first base. Um, so moving to Saturday, the Red Sox came back. It was a vengeance game. It was a statement game. They absolutely trounced the New York Yankees, eleven uh, nothing. Sunny Gray was torched. Um, it was a night game, but it wasn't sunny. Regardless, ha ha ha. The Red Sox exploded with eleven runs and seventeen hits, including an impressive five for five night from Rafael. Devers he hit a grand slam the other way it was a thing of beauty it was a Yankee Stadium Grand Slam but it was beautiful nonetheless he got a double in the game too um, but let's also talk about another guy who had a big game and it was kind of less had less notoriety but Cindy Leon he had a two-hit game a home run and a double um, we're gonna get to Devers in a second here but Let me let me read this somewhere along the line. Sandy Leone has managed to now have an eighty-nine WRC plus. For those unaware, a hundred is average. It means like, are you producing runs above or below league average? Basically, Sandy Leone is creeping (laughs) onto. average amount of run producer, which is crazy. He has a 409 slugging percentage this year. Like, when the hell did this happen? Meanwhile, Christian Vasquez has a 52 WRC plus and a 313 slugging percentage. Uh, Jordan, Jordan, I'm going to start with you here. Is Sandy Leone your guy? Is Are you going to put him over Christian Vasquez going forward, getting him more starts? I mean,
2: absolutely. I mean, I'm... I'm I mean, sh- I'm surely going off of his 89 RD, R, the DRC plus, and then what I saw last night. Um, I mean, both. I think both catchers like generally like need to lo- hit a little bit more. But like, if we're talking about Leon over Vasquez, like, I, like I'm I'm more confident with Leon. Um, yeah. Like, if you can give me like a clutch double or like a clutch hit uh, in the, like late in the game, like that's I mean that's what we saw last night, and so. I think Leon's going to be my guy from now on, and then, like, we'll take it from there. But, I mean, Leon, Leon's been the more consistent hitter, I think, out of out of the three, I think. Yeah,
0: to me. for sure. And it was really surprising because I thought Leon, like, if we had, like, the, the trio of Blake Swihart, who's not really a catcher, I guess, anymore, Sandy Leon, Christian Vasquez, I would have said Sandy Leon's probably producing the least offense, but... Now he's producing the most, and it's by a really marketable margin. So good for Sandy Leone, and he's a better defender than Christian Vasquez, too. Dave, what are your thoughts on this? Is Leon your guy going forward?
1: Well, I have a soft spot in my heart for the Sandy man. Uh, everyone who listens to this podcast knows that. So really, Sandy's always been my guy. But objectively, looking at it from a pure numbers standpoint, right now he's the hot hand. I think we should roll with him more so than we do Vasquez. But both catchers just are very streaky hitters. Um, I don't think this run of Sandy, like, in in my heart I want to say it'll go on forever, but in my brain I know it won't. There's going to be cold Sandy again. So I can't say stick with Leon like the rest of the season, because for all we know, this is falling off a cliff starting today, and Vasquez will pick it up, because he had a decent hot stretch, I want to say a few weeks back, Vasquez did, so... It's not like he's been completely hopeless out there. So I think you kind of just need to ride the hot hand. Barring a trade, which we've already covered on a few other podcasts, I don't think we're going to make for a catcher. I think you just kind of have to run with the hot hand. Whichever guy's better, just roll with it for as long as you can until he goes bad and hope the other one picks it up.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. I think they're both incredibly streaky. I don't think either is particularly good at hitting baseballs, but whoever's riding the Babbitt Luck train, you know, you ride that and, and you get your offensive production out of it. Yeah, I we last week we talked about our if they're gonna upgrade a catcher. I like as the weeks go by and we're getting closer to the trade deadline, my hopes are kinda dwindling. I don't think it's gonna happen anymore. But yeah, Sandy leone the only active MLB Hall of Famer, is uh He's, he's on a nice streak right now, guys, so I'm, I'm happy for him. Um, another guy, this is the guy we said we were going to get to here in a sec. Uh, Raphael Devers put a clinic uh, in last night's game. So for the month of June, he has a 115 WRC+, plus and an 815 OPS. Quietly, he has put together a 1.2 F4 season, which i That kind of surprises me a little bit. And that's close to Mitch Moreland's war number. Again, it's war, so take it with a grain of salt. It's not the end-all, be-all, but it's definitely cool for comparison purposes. Um, So, Dave, what are your thoughts of Raphael Devers' hot streak in June and his value going forward?
1: All right, well, I need to run a bit of a victory lap here. I'm in my Raphael Devers' t-shirt right now, and I am just hyped out of my mind that this guy's figured it out. um, Because... You know, he first off, he comes up into the majors at 20 years old, and he starts contributing, and not only contributing, he was one of the best hitters on a team that won 93 games. How many how many guys are capable of doing that? He uh, suffered some regression early in the year, which was expected, albeit uh, I didn't think he was going to, su- to struggle as much as he did, but he's turning it around. Um, if, you want, if you want to thank J.D. Martinez for noticing a niche in Devers' swing, do that. If you want to just say Devers' is kind of adjusting to major league pitching, you can do that too because they're both true. Raphael Devers really has no ceiling as a hitter. He's able to hit the ball with power to every part of the field, and it's just phenomenal to see this kid kind of grow up, and especially the work he does against the Yankees. Um, I actually, just before I went on the podcast, I posted an article about um, how Devers is sort of taking the title of Yankee killer away from David Ortiz and becoming... Essentially, sort of taking his role in the lineup as the guy whose job it is to ruin Yankees' hopes and dreams. So, in his career, uh, versus New York at Yankee Stadium, he's hitting 326, three, uh, average, uh, 354 on base percentage, 500 slugging, and he has a WRC of 132. He's hit, uh, two home runs, and he's hit two more at Fenway against the Yankees. Granted, it's only come in 12 games, but there's really all the peripherals say this is here to stick. And, I mean, anyone who wants to trade him for Machado, whoever wanted to trade him for Machado, you're wrong, and this is why, because this guy's going to be one of the best third basemen in the league for a very, very, very long time, and just savor every second of it, because it is something to watch.
0: How how many home runs is he hitting tonight? Is it going to go deep, Dave, do you think?
1: Yeah, he's probably going to go to the plate five times. I think he's going to hit six home runs.
0: <laughs> I'll be looking out for it tonight, then. Um, Jordan, what are your thoughts on Rafael Devers' uh, month of June and his value going forward?
2: Well, I I, I think, uh, to Dave's point, like the, the conversation of trading Rafael Devers for Manny Machado should be over by now because um, with... With uh, last night's performance and his month of June, it's just like we're seeing what kind of potential this kid can uh, can bring to the team, um, and we should also expect like some regression or like some like some slump uh, in his game, like at, at periods of, of time because he's only like twenty one, um, and he's gonna gr- like he's gonna grow into such like such a great hitter, um, so. I mean, for right. I mean, for the time being, not, not even for the time being. Um, like Rafael Devers is our third baseman, and we, like he showed us what kind of potential he had uh, yesterday.
0: Yeah, and if Rafael Devers keeps hitting like this, which I fully expect him to do because he's got so much potential, he's got such an amazing swing, he's got so much power, then the Red Sox perceived shortcomings at the bottom of the lineup are completely eradicated. I said that last week, but I think it's important to reiterate. Um, yeah, the lineup becomes a lot de- deeper when Rafael Devers is going deep and the opposite field swing is on fire like it was last night in that Grand Slam. But... Um, getting back to his F war. He's a 1.2 F4, which actually kind of surprised me. Um his offense is still below league average because he struggled in April and May and a little bit in March because there was baseball in March, I guess. Um but his a lot of his value has come from his base running, and his fielding is not as bad as the eye test would say, or better than the eye test would say. Um, his base running like metrics that go into his WAR component, like he's like a really good base runner, which I don't know if a lot of people know, but he's really adept at taking the extra base, and he's actually surprisingly fast. Um, like, his sprint speed is, like, above average for a third baseman. So, good for Rafael Devers. Um, he's having a underrated year, and once his WRC Plus, his offensive performance, starts to creep up, it's going to be just so cool to see how this guy finishes up. And I'm taking five and a half years more of Raphael Devers. No Machado zone. Yeah, and Chris Sale in this game, seven innings pitched, zero earned runs, 11 strikeouts, and one walk against the New York Yankees, who are... Touted as one of the best lineups in baseball because they are, admittedly, but Chris Sale made them look like the Colorado Rockies. And for those of you who are unaware, Colorado Rockies have the worst offense in baseball. Um, so his last five starts, this is Christopher Sale, the Condors is his nickname on Baseball Reference. Uh, he's got 35 innings pitched, four earned runs, 54 strikeouts, and eight walks. That is simply simply insane. Uh, Dave, what did you see from Chris Sale in this start that you wanted to comment on?
1: All right. Uh, before we get to Sale, I'm not done with my Devers victory last year. <laughs> okay.
0: So,
1: um, <laughs> um, I remember, I want to say it was episode seven or something like that of this podcast. We were talking about who would finish on the team third in home runs because yes, obviously J.D. and this. Mookie are going to be one and two. I said Devers. I think both of you picked Moreland. We did. And I just want to say, right now, looking at the stats, Raphael Devers is in third on the team at home runs with 14. So, you know, there's that, too. You are so, winning. Go, Devers.
0: How many does Benintendi Devers have? Never, forever. Is Andrew Benintendi got?
1: Ben one behind him. He has 13 homers. Devers is
0: 14. Okay, cool. Because that was my pick in my yeah. head, but I said Mitch Moreland. So, yeah. Mitch, Mitch. Uh, I think you're looking pretty good with that one, Dave. Go, Devers. Yes.
1: Got to do my Devers victory lap. You got to so, do your anyway, victory lap. Anyway, back to the sales question. Um, yeah, sales just like stupid good. He's unbelievable He's the best thing to show up here since Pedro Martinez. I wasn't I mean I was alive for the two thousand, the 1999 and 2000 Pedro, but I was six So I mean, I don't really I, I don't remember it clear enough and what I do remember I was too young to appreciate what I was seeing so for me This is the best pitching I've ever seen in a Red Sox uniform and honestly, it's not even that close We all love John Lester But John Lester couldn't do anything like this. There's only a handful of guys in baseball that can do anything close to what Sale's doing right now. It's not even fair the way he does it. It's just guys come up to the plate, and it's just, you look, it's like they have a look that they know they've lost before a a bat's even over because their best hope is just swing and hope they get lucky. Um, He's just one of the most dominant forces in all of baseball and a lot of people kinda of give him crap saying like, Oh well, he, he get he gets all these great numbers against bad teams, he's just regular against good ones. Well, look at yesterday's game. If the Yankees aren't a good team, I don't know what is.
0: Yeah. Oh, Chris Sale, wonderful performance. Jordan Jordan, what did you think of Chris Sale's performance?
2: Uh I mean, if it weren't I mean, if it weren't for Devers, like 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 Chris Sale's performance would be, like, first and foremost, just, the, like, another Dominic Chris Sale outing. Um, like, there were just so many performance, performances yesterday that just stood out to me, but uh, Chris Sale is just, um, like, a man amongst boys when it comes to his start. Um, I mean, I, I was watching his, uh, breaking, his uh, breaking ball, and, like, the down and in, um, his, like, fluttered down and in was just impossible to hit, and it was, like, a bunch... And it was like just incredible to see that be his out pitch. Um, and then when, like as his start just, uh, as his start, um, kept, you know, kept going, I think it was like up until the seventh, you know, I looked up and he only had like one hit, uh, on one walk. So it was just, you know, almost godlike, like what, what, uh, Chris Sale's doing right now.
0: Yes, Chris Sale is the master. He's doing so well. And again, as I listed those statistics over his last five starts, it's very Chris Sale esque, but that's even like better for Chris Sale standards. That's that, that That is crazy. So um, we're going to move on to some other topics here. I've got uh, some fun questions for you guys, so let's get to those. It's moving away from the game, and then we'll, we'll preview the Red Sox-Yankee game tonight at the end. But while most of you are going to be listening to this, the game will be over, so that point's kind of moot. Um the red sox acquired somebody else not named steve pierce earlier in the week and he goes by the name of Brandon phillips that was a minor league deal and he's working out at the low i think he's in fort myers working out right now to get in shape um, dave what do you think of the Brandon phillips acquisition and what kind of role do you envision him playing with the team going forward
2: i really
1: like the acquisition um... Obviously, we don't have the greatest farm system in the world right now, and we don't really have a great solution at second base. So trying to find a guy, we pretty much had an option of give up what little we have left or get a guy like Brandon Phillips. My money, I wrote an article about this, how Jed Lowry would have been my preferred trade target because he was entering a contract year, and I didn't think his value would be that high. We wouldn't have to give up too much to get him. But I do like Phillips, because now we really can hold on to whatever we want. He'll be in the majors before long. He has, like, millions of opt-outs in his contract for if he's not in the majors by a certain date. So um, it looks like the writing's on the wall for Eduardo Nunez and Blake Swihart. I expect they'll try to trade Swihart, and if they can't do that, they'll probably let him go. He's the first one off. But I really don't see Nunez sticking around too much longer as uh, the third, second baseman. So um, I think Phillips is a pretty good player. Um, it does sort of signify that we don't know if or when Dustin Pedroia is coming back. As far as I know, we still don't have a team update from that, but, um, you know, this doesn't bode well, but even, even if Pedroia comes back, like starts rehabbing tomorrow, I do think Phillips is going to be an upgrade from Nunez as uh, the top righty, uh, uh, second baseman sort of to either start while we wait for Pedroia to come back or to platoon so Pedroia doesn't have to take that much of a workload um we spoke earlier on a different podcast I believe it was the last one about how Brockholt is great right now but whenever you make him an everyday player he sort of fatigues and wears out so he really shouldn't be uh he really shouldn't be an everyday second baseman normally so I think this is the right thing to do you can ride with uh Phillips and Holt as the main second baseman, probably for the rest of the year or until whenever you get Pedroia back. And chances are Phillips is going to be an upgrade over Nunez because Nunez really hasn't brought much to the team this year.
0: Definitely. Um, Brandon Phillips is actually a lot better he was a lot better last year than I thought. I thought he was kind of like, he, he's 37 years old. Um, and I thought his, his he just went on a huge decline and that he wasn't really worth it. But I was looking up his statistics, and he had a very nice 2017 season. Uh, he had a 93 WRC+, plus, so he's close to a league average hitter with uh, 1.7 F4. His defense isn't what it used to be, but it's still good. It's still playable. It's still a huge upgrade over whatever the hell Eduardo Nunez' excuse of a defense over there is. And even Brock Holt, he seemed like he could be an upgrade. I can't believe he wasn't signed at this point. I mean, I guess the free agent market was just weird and a lot of people weren't signing, but Phillips had a really sneaky good 2017 season and it's not a fluke either. He's been like a one plus war player for like each of the past 4 years in his age 33 to 37 season. So, yeah, Brandon Phillips, I really like this signing. Um at the very least it's going to be Depth because we don't know what's going to happen with Dustin Pedroia. I'm not very optimistic because everything is so quiet at this point. But yeah, I think if you have a bench that is, let's say Pedroia comes back, uh, even if he doesn't. But if Pedroia does come back, then you have a bench of presumably Steve Pierce. Very good left handed hitter. Brandon Phillips, who's a really, really above average infield depth. And then you have Brock Holt, who's silver style, can play anywhere, and Sandy Leonor or Christian Vasquez. That is a lot better bench than what we saw just a week ago when we didn't have Steve Pierce or we didn't have Brandon Phillips. Um, I'll be interested to see if Phillips works his way up and what that'll be like. Um, Jordan, what are your thoughts on the Brandon Phillips acquisition?
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm with Dave. I think Dave covered it pretty well. Where, um, I mean, in, in terms of the the Dust Fedoria situation, um, I think I think we picked up a really good a really good uh, a really good glove, like a starter starter level glove. He's a former All Star, um, and in terms of like Dust Majora, whenever like he's planned on coming back, we can platoon him with a with a Pedroia. And then in terms of Nunez and and uh, at second. I mean, he. I mean, he. He hasn't been a. Uh, he hasn't been flipping the bill in terms of in terms of production at or at at uh, at second base, where he's not been playing the you know level of defense that we want him to. So, um, I think it's a really good pickup. Like you said, it brings us more more depth. And um, you know, wh- whenever PD comes back, we'll we'll have a we'll have a good bench. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out.
0: Yeah, and I'm a huge fan of depth, especially because the Yankees have like seemingly a. Bottomless pit of depth. They like they're so deep in every facet of their team, um, and it's very important. So I'm happy that the Red Sox are getting a deeper team, and it's coming at a v- relatively low cost. It's not coming at the expense of major prospects or lots of money. Uh, Brendan Phillips and c Pierce were cheap acquisitions, good bench pieces. Um, but now we're going to move on to something else. Um, so, after this move was made and the Steve Pierce move was made, uh, Dave Dombrowski was being interviewed and he said that upgrading the bullpen will now be wait and see. He went on to say that he wishes to see how Steven Wright, Drew Pomeranz, and Tyler Thornburg progress before deciding if they want to upgrade the pen. Um, Dave, do you believe Dave Dombrowski? Do you think they're really waiting and seeing, or will they end up making a move regardless of if these guys are ready and healthy to go?
1: So I don't really ever take anything Dombrowski or really anything general managers say at a face value because if you're playing your hand that like out in the open, you're probably not going to get too many deals on the too many great deals in the trade market. Dombrowski needs to create the appearance that um, he's comfortable with the bullpen, sort of the way it is, because otherwise, like if he just came out and said. You know, yeah, we need a bullpen arm. We need one badly. We will do anything to get one. All of a sudden, the asking price for anything just went right through the roof because other teams know you're desperate. It sort of reminds me of how um back in spring, pretty much all spring, we heard from Dombrowski and his camp that, you know, like, yeah, you know, I'd be comfortable going into the lineup with this road, with, uh, I'd be comfortable going into the season with this lineup back when we didn't have J.D. Martinez. The plan was always to sign Martinez, but if you say, we need a power bat right here, right now. Martinez probably would have done an extra 50 million or something, you know? So I don't believe Dave Zembrowski one bit. I think he is going to upgrade the bullpen. I think we have a good bullpen as is, but I don't believe there's ever such a thing as too many good bullpen arms. So I do expect to see us make a move. I'm not sure if it'll be another setup man type of a guy or if it's just more of a depth piece. I could see him going either way, but... um Right now, I don't believe Nebraska will
2: probably get another run before the deadline.
0: Yeah, Jordan, what do you what do you think about these comments by Nebraska? Do you do you buy them?
2: Um, I mean, at, at, at face value, when it, when he when he says wait and see, um, I thought it was a, a pretty bad. Um, I mean, I, what what I would what I would want as a general manager is to like to take care to. Um, to kind of like shore up my hold, like as best as I can, from the get go. But like as Dave said, you kind of have to play, you know, play the chess, play the chess game that um, that trades and signings uh take. So, I mean, if if uh, like like Dave said, if, if Dombrowski just comes out and says that we need an arm, uh, like the asking price is going to go through the roof. So I think it, you know, I think it was a smart move to like kind of. Know uh, it to the point where he he doesn't come off desperate, but at the same time it's just like yeah, adding no, like an arm on and like a setup guy or like another arm in the bullpen would be a smart idea.
0: Yeah, and we talked about potential guys they could go after. Um, um, in last week's episode, we well, I think we all chronicled a bunch of guys, but there's actually now a rumor that the Red Sox are being connected with Rasyon Iglesias, I mean at by the end of the trade deadline I expect him to be like connected with like every major reliever. But Rasion Glacius is the guy that's coming up right now. Um Iglesias is the Reds closer. He's been dominant for two years. He presumably would cost quite a bit. Um Dave, what do you think about the chances of the Red Sox acquiring Rasio Iglesias? Do you think they have the wherewithal to get him?
1: Um I'm who who knows because um a few weeks back, the Nationals got Herrera for basically nothing. They did. So I still don't know how they did that. But um, I've got to imagine that trade's more the outlier than the exception, especially when I believe Aguilce still has a, a few more years of team control left. I, uh, is that right, dude? Now yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah
0: he, he does. I think he's got two or three years after this. I, think he's, I don't even know if he's reached arbitration, to be honest with you. If he did, he's really early into it.
1: So. Yeah, so I... I i imagine because of that, Iglesias is going to cost a pretty significant amount of uh, of a value to get. I'm not sure if we have that value because Dombrowski, for everything he is in terms of dealing minors, once the guys make it to the majors, he sticks with them. So I don't see us trading any of the guys currently in the major league roster, and I don't really see us having anything in the minors that would entice the Reds enough like Maybe if you threw Jalen Beats in with like a few of our other like high upside like triple A guys, basically the entire Pawtucket Red Fox, yeah. maybe then you could get a trade, but I really don't see even that happening. I think um I I think uh we gotta shoot a little bit lower than a glacier. But yeah. who knows, you know? It's been a weird year, uh, trade wise, so if anything
0: could happen. It definitely could, and I think it's weird because the the, the Padres were asking for Raphael Devers for Brad Hand, and Rassi Glacius is probably, like, close to the same value maybe even more valuable and I don't know what the Red Sox would be able to give the Padres that will like match a package of Raphael Devers if that's literally what the market is I doubt it is um as you said we saw Calvin Herrera go for like three lower level reliever minor league prospects from the nationals and if the if it's more of a buyer buyers market which it probably will be a buyers market because that's the way the game's going but maybe the Maybe the Red Sox can put together a package, depending on how this trade deadline, you know, goes. But we'll definitely see on on that regard. Um, Jordan, what do you think? Do you think that the Red Sox will be able to acquire Razzano Iglesias or if they even have the the wherewithal to get him?
2: Um, you know what? Uh, I mean, I really like R- uh, Razzano Iglesias. I think he's kind of like because he's with the Reds. Uh, I think he slides under the radar a little bit, but yeah, he's like, he's, he's a very valuable pitcher. Um, in terms of if we could get him, I mean, it, yeah, it all depends on like what we can put together as a package. Um, so that's, that's kind of my concern is like, yes, it would be great to get him, but do we have enough? Uh, I mean, we'll, we'll have to see cause you guys are right. I mean, um, Calvin Herrera, uh, was dealt some nationals for pretty for pretty much nothing, and then um, I think was the other one? Colome. Yeah. I mean, nothing. Alex, Col- Alex Colome was kind of dealt. I mean, for for a little bit more, mm. but at the same time, it all depends on what on what the Reds are looking for.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. We'll see how that goes. I think it's going to be a buyer's market just because that's what it was last year. But relievers are really valuable, especially at like this time of year when you're making those postseason push. So we'll see what kind of market develops for iglesias But man, having Rasio iglesias as your eighth inning guy, holy crap! That would be some. Like I, I like to dream. I've been dreaming about J T. Romuto in a Red Sox uniform since about April twentieth, when Christian Vasquez was like. Batting like a hundred, but you know I I I can dream that that's where I'll go with that. It'll be a dream. I don't think it's gonna happen, but it'll be interesting to see if that what kind of market develops for him. Um, And now we're gonna we're gonna segue into our last topic here, and it's gonna be a pretty interesting one. So Blake Swihart is uh, not doing very well, guys. You you probably know this. He is a six WRC plus a six. WRC plus. Uh, do I need to repeat that one more time? He has a six WRC plus, <laughs> and he has a negative point six F WAR. And I mean, the guy never plays, so that is incredible. How you so bad? Um, and he obviously had a high prospect, prospect pedigree at one point, and it, he doesn't have any options remaining. So you can't put him in AAA. Um, and I know Dave already talked about this when we were talking about the Brandon Phillips and where he fit in to the team. Um, but Dave, Dave, do you think it's time for this Blake Swihart experiment to end?
1: Yeah, I think uh, time's, up Swi- time's up for Swihart. Time's up for Back uh, when we had Hanley and Swihart couldn't even see the field, I was very much in the free Swihart camp just because he he had a pretty decent year in 2015 when he was, which was really the last year he was fully healthy. And, you know, I thought he's probably not defensively going to be a catcher, but I thought there was enough there that um, he could at least be a solid contributor off the bench, the bench if he got his chance. He's had his chance, and he just he, he just doesn't have it anymore. I want to think that there is a good ball player in there somewhere. I don't want to think that the Red Sox killed him, like, all on their own, and there's no hope for getting him back, but... This is a team competing for for the division, and it's never been as important to win the division as it is now because the one-game wild card is just a load of crap. It's stupid, and you really don't want to have to be put into that situation. Putting Swihart on the field is actively hurting is actively hurting the team, and maybe you can include him as sort of a bonus in a trade deal for a team that thinks they can salvage him, or maybe you just have to... Straight up get rid of him but right now he's a wasted roster spot so i mean i'm sorry blake whatever happened with your ankle back in 2016 just like it ruined him it really did so i feel bad for the guy he was a great prospect but time's up
0: yeah i agree and uh blake Swihart's grandma actually follows us on twitter so i'm going to try to keep this PG, relatively nice and civil here. But, um, yeah, Blake Swihart is, has not been producing like we thought he would. He's uh, it, It's been frustrating. It's been maddening. I mean, there is something to say that he's not getting consistent at-bats, and that's hard. That's difficult. But at the same time, like, he's not a plus defender. He's not a plus base runner. Like, you need to hit, like, in, in the limited opportunities he's been given. And he's been given some more opportunities since Hanley Ramirez departed, but still not that many. Because when he has been given them, quite frankly, it's they've not been very good and I yeah like you said maybe there's a good ball player in there but it's it's time for this to end um, especially when they If Brandon Phillips starts to make that ascent up the Red Sox minor league system, maybe even Zui Lin would be a better option right now. I will not. I will. I refuse to say Sam Travis is a better option right now, but um, yeah, maybe. Oh god, no, No.
1: never go go there.
0: (laughs) I really did not want to go there, so maybe Zui Lin because I I love myself some tsunami. So maybe if you make that move, I would not be opposed to that. Uh, Jordan, what do you think? Do you think it's time to pull a plug on this Blake Swihart experiment?
2: Yeah, I mean, I was I was optimistic like uh, like Dave was when Hanley was released, and like it seemed like and uh, you know Swihart got some more opportunities, but now he's got lot more opportunities, and it's not really amounted to uh to anything better. So unfortunately, um, even though I like the guy, he has to he has to go.
0: Yeah, Blake Swihart, it's been real. Um, if Dave Nembrowski is listening to this, because I know he does every week um maybe you should do that get on that but yeah uh, in other news for the red sox michael chavez who is one of the two red sox top 100 prospects is actually going to be returning from his PED suspension i believe he will start in double-a portland and that should be soon that is near dave's house so uh, is he starting in portland Do you guys know is that correct that's that's what I'm. i'm like
1: 90 percent sure he is yeah
0: yeah Dave, go check him out in Portland, see see what you can scout and gather, and then report back like the next episode, and, and we'll talk some Michael Chavez, does that oh, yeah. sound good? Yeah, yeah. I
1: mean, hell, if you want a scouting report, I've got one for you right now.
0: <laughs> give it, give it, I want to hear based it. Based
1: on last year. Yeah, give it. Okay, so, um, Ch- Chavez, from what I saw now, I moved up to Portland in uh 2016, like, probably around May, early June, so I got to see a lot of really great players come down there. I was there when uh, Minkata, Ben Tendi, uh, Devers, and a few Ooh. other guys that are in the pros, not necessarily all with us, but they're all around there. They're all around somewhere, so I saw a bunch of really good players come through, and Ch- Chavis was one of them, and he, as much as Red Sox fans won't like to hear it, I didn't see a guy who's anywhere close to that level. I mean, those guys are all stars, and they're going to yeah. be superstars, the best I tra- uh, the best I see Trafus being is um, a pretty decent like bench guy. I really don't think he has the bat consistency to be um, to be a like everyday major leaguer. I mean maybe I'm wrong. I'm not a professional scout by any means, but I think he's a guy that can come off the bench eat, but I mean I think the ceiling's pretty low right there. I don't get what, I really don't get what much of the hype around him is.
0: Yeah, now especially with the suspension. Uh doesn't look too favorable as it once did. Thank you for that scouting report though. That was wonderful. That was a nice uh touch to the to end this uh uh, this podcast. But before we do, we got our preview real quick. The Red Sox and Yankees have their rubber match of the series. It's going to be game three. David Price will take the hill, opposing the very formidable Luis Severino, who is the Yankees' ace. We had our ace going last night. It should be a great game to watch. Like, uh- after these two blowouts, the Yankees blew the Red Sox out Friday, and then the Red Sox blew the Yankees out Saturday. I am so so wanting to see like a dogfight, like I want to see a back and forth match here. Like I don't care if it's low scoring, like I want it to be close. Like I want to feel the intensity. Granted, I wasn't complaining about the 11-0 win the Saturday night, but I certainly was complaining about the eight and one blowout in the game I went to on Friday. But yeah, it, let, I'm excited for tonight. It should be a good game. Um, the lineups came. Out. there's nothing really big to talk about there steve pierce is not playing uh might mitch moreland's plugged in there um but yeah that'll do it for this episode of the red sox unfiltered podcast uh dave do you have any departing thoughts you'd like to share with the people uh no i
1: think we've got it all out uh go red sox let's
0: take the last one let's do it jordan departing words
2: you know what? I have to go back to uh, last night's game, uh, which was like the two out hitting that you know led to the uh, Rafael Devers grand slam. It was just yeah. it was like that that small aspect of uh, of last night's game was kind of what caught my eye, and it was, it was a beautiful thing to see.
0: Definitely two out hitting, anytime hitting, one out hitting, no out hitting. Red Sox, I want them hitting tonight. Uh, and that'll actually do it this time for the Red Sox Unfiltered Podcast. This is episode 13. You can follow us or subscribe. You don't follow on iTunes. You can subscribe to us on iTunes and listen to us there. We're also on SoundCloud, and we are the official uh, featured site of the Grueling Truth Network, the official Red Sox site. And you can listen to us on iHeartRadio. You can listen to us on Spreaker and on YouTube and probably other things. So, yeah, go check out the Grueling Truth Network. They're awesome. Go check out RedSoxUnfiltered.com, and we will be back back next Sunday for a killer episode. And uh, go Red Sox. Let's take this tonight. Have a great one, guys. Thank you for listening.